What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here, back with a Week 11 instant reaction recap, man. And we had so much college football action this weekend. Listen, we're going to structure the show a little bit differently. We're going to try to cover more games, more topics, man. We had a huge weekend. And as we approach the end of the season, week in and week out, we are going to get a lot of answers on some of the country's biggest teams. And so, what we got to start out with Baylor versus Oklahoma, in which the number 13 Bears upset the Sooners in a 27 to 14 win in Waco and it ended with a bit of chaos so I, I guess the Baylor student section lost track of the clock stormed like one or two seconds early and Lincoln Riley just I mean was going off on the refs which I understand because I mean you have to protect the players in that situation so we had to send most of his team to the locker room most of his coaches then he comes back out and then Baylor kicks a last second field goal which wasn't even needed but it got them the 27 to 14 win and Riley was very vocal in the press conference that he felt like a, a Randa really disrespected the Sooners with that field goal. Now, I mean, when you look at what effect this has, though, the Big 12 championship race is in full blown chaos now, man. It started with Baylor finding a way to pull off the upset. And now Oklahoma State, Baylor, Oklahoma all have diff different opportunities to get to the Big 12 championship. Um, and this really marks another time Dave Aranda got the upper hand over Lincoln Riley. There's been three, there's been three straight years now, 2019 in the Peach Bowl when Aranda was the D coordinator for LSU last season, and now this season, where Aranda's defense has held the Sooners under 30 points in under 330 total yards, and the second straight game at Baylor, where Aranda's defense held the Sooners under 300 total yards. You know, when you look at Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma's worst performances since he took over the head coaching job or has been the OC, they've all really come when he faced Dave Aranda. He just has an answer, and you have to give him credit. I mentioned on the preview that Dave Aranda was going to have some wrinkles, and he he got after Caleb Williams. I mean, the pressure that he was able to generate really set this offense back. You look at Williams, who got benched. 10 for 19, 146 passing yards, only seven, only about seven yards of completion, two picks, no touch, no passing touchdowns, and only had 17 total yards rushing in one touchdown. The front seven, especially a Terrell Bernard at linebacker, who is one of my favorite linebackers in the country, they got after Caleb Williams. They said, You are not going to just run all over us, and you're not going to be able to sit back in the pocket and push the ball down the field. So you have to give Dave Aranda and this defense all the credit in the world. Spencer Rattler came in. He really couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. But what we saw this weekend was a defensive-minded head coach in Dave Aranda being able to just have the perfect game plan for an explosive Lincoln Riley offense. And this is something to watch moving forward. Is Baylor going to become that, that, I guess, the, the thorn in the side of Oklahoma before they head to the SEC because outs because with Dave Aranda's defense, this offense has a lot of problems. I mean, Kennedy Brooks only had 51 yards rushing. And, I mean, the Sooners ran for under 100 yards and also threw for less than 200. And you have to look at it where they're, where they're averaging 2.8 yards per carry. There's something missing with this offense. And Dave Aranda had the answer. And he really exposed a lot of the problems some people had with Oklahoma. But 
On the other side, the Baylor offense also had a rough start. Let's let's give Alex Grinch's credit. He made it very hard for Baylor to move the ball early, really kept Bo Hannon from pushing the ball down the field very well. But late in the second half, late in the second quarter, when that rushing attack woke up, it was a problem for the Sooners defense. I mean, the entire game flopped for both teams. I mean, the Baylor rushing attack had almost 300 yards rushing, averaged over six yards per carry and two touchdowns, and it all started Abram Smith and Bo Hannon at the quarterback spot. At the quarterback spot, Bo Hannon rushed for over 100 yards, almost 12 yards per carry and two touchdowns. His ability to make plays outside the pocket is what a lot of people thought Caleb Williams was going to bring, and that was eventually going to lead Oklahoma to the win. But Bo Hannon flipped the script this weekend, and he deserves a lot of credit for when things weren't moving through the air. He was able to he was able to move the ball with his legs outside the pocket, and Abram Smith is continuing to really impress me. I think you really have to give him strong consideration for some award in the Big 12. I mean, and you're looking at him as a potential even like a Doke Walker a finalist. I don't know if he'll pass Kenneth Walker, but he's put on a show this season, had another 148-yard game, seven and a half yards per carry. This guy is doing it all on the ground, and he's really been a crucial part in this Baylor offense, taking a giant step forward from last season. But you got to give Baylor's defense the MVP award, man. Two for nine on third downs for Oklahoma. Couldn't do anything. Only 260 total yards. And they just weren't able they, – they had no efficiency on the offensive side of the ball. And I want to give Dave Aranda and Baylor all the credit in the world that these, this team is a force. And I really think if they could – that Oklahoma State game might cost them at the end in a, in a huge upset loss to TCU – but if they can get to the Big 12 championship, I think Baylor's going to have a great shot to win that game. And I really like the, the direction Dave Aranda is taking this program. And I think he's one of the more underrated hires from the past few seasons in which a lot of people didn't give him his just due. And I know last year they really struggled, but you're already seeing the benefits of what Dave Aranda is doing on the recruiting trail and how great of a coach he really can be. So I'm really impressed with Baylor this weekend. But they pull out a 27-14 win, and now the Big 12 race has commenced. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Baylor have to have to continue to win to get their way in. Oklahoma controls their destiny. Oklahoma State does as well. Baylor needs a little bit of help. But if one of those two teams start losing, Baylor's going to be right there in position to take advantage. But let's move on here. We're going to head to the Big Ten now. And number four, Ohio State, five, I guess, overcomes the upset-minded Purdue Boilermakers in a blowout 59-31 win in Columbus, a straight route. And there was probably some nervous energy in Columbus this week, especially with the Boilermakers coming into town. Two top five wins this season, their eyes on a third. But let's give Ryan Day and this Buckeyes offense their credit, man. They spoiled any hopes of an upset with an all-time great performance. I mean, and they had just enough defensive stops early in the game to really build a giant lead. I mean, the Buckeyes stormed out to a 35-7 lead in the second quarter. The Boilermakers didn't give up, though. Let's give them a little bit of credit as they scored 24 points down the stretch, but their defense cost them this game. When you look at the Iowa and Michigan State upset, their defense was able to force a handful of turnovers and crucial stops to win that game. This weekend, the, the, the I guess, consistency – 
that the Buckeyes offense showed was impressive. The efficiency that they showed all game long. I mean, nine of their 11 possessions were scoring t- were, were scoring possessions. Over 620 total yards and averaged over nine yards per play. That's impressive. What, whatever you want to say. And then also, they, the defense forced two big turnovers by Purdue, and that really was the main difference in the game. I mean, Purdue put up 480 of total yards and had 390 passing. But for me, the number one thing that hurts Purdue is their rushing attack. You have to rush. You have, you can't be as one dimensional as you are through the air and beat a team like an Ohio state. You have to be able to make some plays on the ground They had less than a hundred yards rushing. They're average. They're only averaging like 80 yards per game this season on the ground. And for me, O'Connell wasn't able to do as much. It, you know, he did a lot through the air, but he can't, you can't use that to beat an Ohio state team. That's so balanced. You look at you look at the 624 yards they had, 361 through the air with almost 10 yards per attempt, 31 of 38 for CJ Stroud, and then they rushed for 260 with over eight and a half yards per carry. You cannot be one dimensional like that. And I want to give CJ Stroud some credit. I think you should see more Hosman hype behind Stroud's name as Ohio State's schedule was very backloaded. They've really been on fire, especially CJ Stroud with 361 this weekend, five touchdowns, no picks, had almost a perfect QBR. You need to, this kid deserves your credit. A lot of people early in the season blamed him for a lot of Ohio State struggles, and I just don't think that was fair to him. And he's really been on a roll these past few weeks in terms of just carrying this offense. And then you also look at the wide receivers. Garrett Wilson's been out a few weeks now, or I believe, well, I believe he missed the Nebraska game, but he had 10 catches, 126, and three touchdowns. And it just shows that every week a different wide receiver can take over. Jackson Smith, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Julian Fleming has some potential. You have so many wide receivers, and that's not even including like a Marvin Harrison Jr. that's sitting on the bench and is probably going to be one of the best wide receivers in the coming years. So to beat an Ohio State, you have to be strong in the secondary. That's one thing Oregon was able to do is be extremely tough in the secondary. And for Purdue, it finally caught up to them. They just weren't able to get those stops. They lost a turnover battle from once, and that was really the biggest thing for me watching this game. But on the other side of the ball, man, you've got to give Aiden O'Connell his credit, man. 390, four touchdowns, no turnovers, throwing the ball over 52 times. Aiden O'Connell in these top five games has showed up. And I, I think he deserves a lot more credit than some people are wanting to give him week in and week out when all the when all the chips are stacked against Purdue. He comes out and plays like this. And then let's also give it you already know who the leading wide receiver was. If you watch this show, I told you who it was going to be. David Bell. Every single game that, that Purdue goes out there, David Bell's an X factor. 11 catches, 103 yards, almost 10 yards per catch. This guy is going to be a problem. Also, I mentioned I really like the young kid Milton right at wide receiver. He had a big game with a touchdown, almost 100 yards and seven catches. But for Purdue, you have to be more balanced. Jeff Brom's offense is pass heavy, but against an Ohio State team averaging over eight yards per carry, three touchdowns on the ground with Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, you're going to have to do more on the ground to pull an upset on the road like this. And Ohio State early was just clicking on all cylinders. And to overcome a 35-7 lead in the second quarter is damn near an impossible task in Columbus. So for me, 
super impressed with the Buckeyes this weekend. A giant win to really put the – they're in the driver's seat right now for the Big Ten. They have some giant matchups ahead of them. And so, for me, this was a giant win, a, you know, an upset field game that a lot of people thought, man, Purdue's going to pull out again. Ryan Day just keeps chugging along. And you really look at Ohio State right now is – it outside of you know Georgia, who has really looked as impressive as Ohio State has over these past few games? I don't know if you could say many teams. So I'm very impressed with how CJ Stroud, Travian Henderson, Mayan Williams' defense is coming along. I think I think Ohio State is going to be a factor moving forward. But let's move let's move on here. An SEC matchup, number 15 Ole Miss upsets the um, number 11 ranked Texas A&M Aggies in a 29 to 19 win in Oxford. And the SEC West race received a lot of clarity. We'll get into some more later with Auburn losing to Mississippi State. But the SEC West race is clear as day. It's Ole Miss and Bama. And, the, and Ole Miss is going to need miracles for Bama to not be in that. And the Aggies were virtually eliminated from contention last night. The Lane Kiffin-led Rebels pulled off a giant win in Oxford. And it was really impressive. I would say it was one of the more impressive wins in old, it, it, this season for the Rebels. You know, if they had any sort of red zone efficiency early as they pulled away to a 15-0 lead, this game could have been just a massacre Saturday night in Vault Hemingway Stadium, man. But the Aggies, since Ole Miss kept it in range, they closed the deficit to 15 to 13 late in the game. But then a, a just a giant explosion by the Rebels, 14 points in less than two minutes to pull away and seal the game, including a pick six by that defense. That's really what was the spark for the Rebels pulling off this 29 to 19 win over the Aggies. But, you know, as we'll get to we'll get to the offense of Ole Miss, but I want to give credit to this defense. That was the one reason I'll admit it. I picked Texas AM. I was I thought AM's defense was gonna be able to make enough plays to win this game. And I wasn't sure if this defense for Ole Miss was able to make enough plays, but man, they did their part, forcing two interceptions from Calzada and really made him look pedestrian at times while also yes you know a chain had a big day but they held spiller to 2.7 yards per carry held them to under 150 rush and held them under 250 passing and really didn't allow many explosive plays and they kept the aggies off balance on third down only four for 14 on third down conversions for the aggies and this old miss defense did what they had to do. The two turnovers were giant, including the pick six to seal the game away. But the number one thing they did is they just always seemed to have Jimbo Fisher's offense out of rhythm or behind the chains. And you have to give them props for that because I thought this Aggies rushing attack was going to be able to do what Auburn did a few weeks ago and consistently run the ball and control the game. So let's give Lane Kiffin and this Ole Miss defense their props for making Calzada look all uncomfortable all game long and also slowing down the rushing attack enough to really pull away and win this game. But as much as it's Matt Corral's offense, I was very impressed with Jerry and Ely at the running back spot. You know, Paris and Snoop Connor have really taken the lead role for Ole Miss all season, but Jerry and Ely showed why there was a lot of people just a year or two ago that thought he was going to be the future of the Rebels offense. 152 yards rushing over six yards per carry. He was the lead guy consistently all night, just churning away for this Ole Miss offense. Also, Paris and Snoop Connor combined for over 100 yards and a touchdown. This rushing attack 
has so many dynamic pieces and they can do it in so many different ways. Ely, Parrish, Snoop Connor, they all bring different aspects to this rushing attack. And so I'm very impressed with how Lane Giffen utilizes all these pieces. Corral had a solid night, 247, a touchdown. The biggest thing was no turnovers. And he was able to consistently move the ball on this very, very tough Texas A&M defense. Also, I want to give a shout-out, a baller award, to Ja'Core Pearson at wide receiver. Man, this kid was a walk-on who no one thought was really going to be able to see the field. And he has become one of the top receivers on this team due to injury as a walk-on. Five catches, 69 yards, led the team. He also was the leading receiver against Auburn just a few weeks ago. Ja'Core Pearson has really proven his worth to this Lane Kiffin offense, and I am extremely, extremely impressed with how Pearson looks this season. Braylon Sanders, Dontario Drummond, they also both had big games combined for nine catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. I'm extremely impressed with how this Ole Miss team just keeps finding ways to win. This was a game a lot of people, including myself, was very nervous to see how this offense looked. Over 32 first downs, over 500 yards of total offense. They averaged over five yards per play, only had one turnover, and they kept themselves alive. If it wasn't for the red zone inconsistencies, which has really been surprising me how that's come back to bite them in previous games as well. This game could have been over by the first quarter. So for me, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss prove that they're a contender, and I think they ha- they're they going to find themselves in prime position to get one of those New Year's Six bowl bids. And this Lane Kiffin team is going to be scary as, as he starts getting his players in. They're doing it on the recruiting trail. The defense is slowly but surely coming along. And I, I really thought this was a big win for that program and the trajectory of the Rebels. Now for AM, the quarterback spot finally came to bite you with Calzada not being as efficient as he has been over the past few weeks. He yes, he might have won you the Bama game, played played, I guess, tough in the Auburn game, but this weekend really cost him. I think this team is on is on the right path, but Jimbo Fisher just needs a handful of pieces to get them to that next level. But Giant win for the Rebels, but let's move on to the ACC, man. Number 12, Wake Forest wins a shootout over number 16, NC State, 45-42 in Winston-Salem on Saturday night. And if there was any questions on how the Demon Deacons would respond to their first loss of the season last week to North Carolina, that was put to rest with a top 20 win over NC State in front of their home crowd as the Demon Deacons continue to be the only team in the country to score 35 or more points in every single game this season. That's a crazy mark, and they continue to do that. But looking at the ACC Atlantic Division, this one was huge. Now the Demon Deacons are one win in their last two games away from clinching, from clinching the ACC Atlantic Division and could really just put all everything to rest with a huge win over Clemson next week in Death Valley in a game that we'll, we will preview right here on the Blue Bloods. But the Wolfpack chances are virtually done. They don't have the tiebreaker with Wake Forest, which means even if they lose two games, then – then they still lose the tiebreaker. So it's really Clemson and Wake Forest for this Atlantic division. They can still end the game in the season with nine wins, still have a chance for 10 wins with a huge bowl win later in the season. But this was a giant loss for Dave Doran's Wolfpack team. And it was one hell of a, it was one hell of a battle, man. And it came down to Devin Leary versus Sam Hartman and which defense could make that one stop. 
and it turned out to be Wake Forest actually getting the one stop and the biggest difference in the game. The, the, if you're looking for just one thing to define the night, it was third down and who was able to establish drives. NC State was three for 14 on third downs, while Wake Forest was 10 for 19. You know, everything else was pretty much even. You know, both teams had three turnovers, and it really came down to NC State having 14 penalties for over 120 yards and also not being able to establish drives on third down. And it came down to Wake Forest really slowed down the rushing attack for NC State, which is something that I'm very surprised about. Only 74 yards rushing for NC State, while Wake Forest stuck with the game plan, ran for over 116 yards and three touchdowns. They didn't average a lot per carry, but they stuck with the game plan. They rushed the ball over 44 times, while Devin Leary had almost 60 passing attempts. If you're NC State with Pearson and Zonovan Knight, who both were averaging over four and a half yards per carry, I mean, hell, Zonovan Knight was averaging seven yards per carry. They got into a shootout with a shootout-based team, and that is always a recipe for disaster. I thought they should have run the ball more, try to control the pace of the game. But once you get caught up in that tit-for-tat, back-and-forth shootout-type game, it leans heavily to Wake Forest. Now, Sam Hartman did not have his best game. 290, three touchdowns, three picks. The three turnovers were huge, and that, that that gives him five picks over his last two games. Sam Hartman has to clean up the turnovers, but he really was saved by the rushing attack that was able to get it done on the ground. While Devin Leary had a giant game, over 400 yards, four touchdowns, only two picks. And real and these wide receivers, man. Let's let me just give credit. Amika Amezi at for NC State, 10 catches. 133, two touchdowns, and Devin Carter, seven catches for 132 and two touchdowns. They had giant games against this Wake Forest secondary. While this was a shocking one, Jakari Robinson looked banged up all night long, one catch for 12 yards, and really couldn't establish anything. A.T. Perry was the guy, 73 yards and a touchdown. I really think Wake Forest was hurt by Jaquari Robinson being put out, but they still found a way to win. And it was just their ability to keep themselves on track, keep themselves in third and manageable, and was able to run the ball and pass them, have a more balanced attack compared to NC State. And NC State just was not ready for a shootout with Wake Forest. For me, this was a giant win for the Demon Deacons. One, it like I said, it puts them in the driver's seat for the ACC Atlantic Division, and especially a New Year's Six Bowl, as they should still be borderline top 10 come Tuesday night. For NC State, the season is not over, man. If you can get to 10 wins in a bowl situation, you have to give themselves an A for the year, especially with how close they were at times to really pull in this one out. But a giant shootout win for Wake Forest in front of their home crowd. Sam Hartman and the Demon Deacons move on to try to clinch the ACC next week against Clemson. So stay tuned right here on the Blue Bloods for all that. But just some final takeaways of some other games I thought you guys should have at least watched or know about. First, Mississippi State, man, let's give them their props overcame a 28-3 first-half deficit to upset number 17 Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And Will Rogers, you know, I know college uh, college football final gives out the helmet stickers. They better have Will Rogers' helmet on that show, man. 44-55, 415 yards, six touchdowns, and no turnovers. Will Rogers was the factor that brought Mississippi State back from the dead. You already know they don't run the ball, but this they they picked apart this Auburn secondary. I mean, 
Jaden Wally had a big game. Malik Keith, Malik Makai Polk, Austin Williams, all these guys had giant games. But Makai Polk with two touchdowns on eight catches. Jaden Wally couldn't be stopped. 87 yards on seven catches. Malik Keith, five catches for 74 yards. Mississippi State had had six guys with like five or more catches this or four or more catches this weekend. They spread the ball around. They spread this Auburn defense out and down the stretch, even Bo Nix said it in the post-game press conference, all the energy and momentum really seemed to be soaked out of Jordan Hare stadium in the second half. And the Tigers were never able to get that back. And when you look at what Mississippi state did, man, they scored 40 unanswered points this weekend. 40 guys they came storming back and it was all on the back of will rogers who i think should have a great argument to to be some to be something in the i mean you got to give this kid some type of award because he's carrying mississippi state to a really really impressive season and i think moving forward he could have an argument from one of the best quarterbacks in the sec and i know it's this air raid attack but this kid has some really really special talent sorry something in my eye here but I was extremely impressed with Will Rogers' composure. This Mississippi State team never saying that this game was over. And then also on the other side, Bo Nix goes down with an injury late in the second half. And there are rumors that he broke his ankle and could be out for the season. I will keep you guys updated on that. But 377, two touchdowns for Nix. He wasn't the problem. I want to give credit to Mississippi State's defense. They outside of a 57-yard touchdown on a, on a, like a jet sweep for Javarius Johnson, they held the Tigers under 50 yards rushing. Tank Bigsby only had 41 total yards rushing, 2.6 yards per carry, and Jarquez Hunter averaged three yards per carry for 12 yards. Nothing was given on the ground, and so I want to give this Mississippi State defense some credit because they stopped one of the better rushing attacks in the country of one-two punch that a lot of people have struggled with this year. They shut it completely down, and Mississippi State's defense finds themselves in the top half of the country. I mean, they're a top 50 defense, and week in and week out, they've kept – Mississippi State in games and they they had a big they had a big comeback against Louisiana Tech they had a giant record setting one this weekend against Auburn Mike Leach has this team believing and I think Mississippi State could be a scary team to watch later down the line and going into next season this team was young a lot of people will be back but this was a giant game as Mississippi State has a record-setting comeback, biggest in school history, 28-3 comeback over Auburn to get the giant win over Auburn and Jordan-Hare Stadium. Now, the other game, number six, Michigan, comes out with a win on the road in Happy Valley, 21-17. to And for me, this game was defined by Hassan Haskins, man. 156 yards rushing, over five yards per carry, he carried this rushing attack, man. Nobody else had more than four carries, and no one else had more than two yards rushing outside of Haskins. It's usually a two-headed monster. Hassan Haskins took this game over for Michigan and really helped Cade McNamara open things up with 217 yards and three touchdowns, and that ended up being a giant difference is that Penn State really couldn't run the football, and Michigan could run the football, and it really helped, you know, McNamara take over the game more than Clifford. Clifford, 205 yards, a touchdown, no turnovers. But this this Penn State offense just couldn't make enough plays. McNamara had a giant game-winning touchdown late. And for me, this Jim Harbaugh team, this is a game – 
that under Jim Harbaugh, Michigan would probably lose nine times out of ten. You have to be impressed with how they're showing that they can win close games. They had a chance to win that Michigan State game. They fell just a bit short, but they've had some close scares, and this was one, an unranked Penn State team, nothing to lose in Happy Valley. Michigan potentially looking to head to get one of those to, to those huge Big Ten games they have on the horizon, and they find a way to win on the road, not playing maybe their best football, and that's something that's been missing from Harbaugh. So you have to give Harbaugh his credit for winning these close games. And you look at Hassan Haskins, you look at Kay McNamara in this defense, Michigan might not be doing it, you know, at – at an impressive level where everyone's like, man, look at all the points they're doing. Look at all, look at how they're holding offenses down like a Georgia, but they're finding ways to win. I think Michigan is still squarely in this race. I think they're on the path to that Ohio State game to give Ohio State more problems than they've given them in a long time. You just have to be impressed with Harbaugh. And I've been the biggest Harbaugh, I guess, critic on well, you know, on these college football shows. I got to give him his props this season for finding ways to win as Michigan keeps their college football playoff hopes alive this weekend with a giant win on Happy Valley. Now, the last two games here, Arkansas pulls off a huge SEC overtime win in Death Valley with a 16-13 win over LSU. K.J. Jefferson did his thing, 41 yards rushing, 142 through the air and a touchdown. Garrett Nussmeyer takes over the LSU starting quarterback job, and a lot of people have been waiting to see this kid play. He had two picks, a touchdown, 179. He, he showed that he was a freshman, but you have to give him some props for keeping LSU in this game against a top 25 team like Arkansas. Tyrion Davis-Price finally awoke the um, LSU rushing attack over 100 yards rushing, over three and a half yards per carry. And for L- for LSU here, man, this marks the second straight game where they have challenged one of these these top SEC West teams, missing a bunch of starters, you know, head coach on the ropes. Everything should suggest LSU should just be getting blown out week in and week out, and they keep fighting and finding a way to win. So I'm giving LSU a lot of credit for hanging in there. Three turnovers cost them two picks and a fumble. That really was the biggest difference in the game to keep Arkansas in it. But you got to also give the Razorbacks their credit, man. Nobody saw this coming. They exceeded all expectations last year, and this year they took that next step forward. And I think Sam Pittman is building something really special in Fayetteville. And you're going to see Arkansas potentially next year take that next step and really become an SEC contender. And they they have a lot of pieces coming back. That defense is solid. And you've got to give Arkansas credit to go into a hostile environment like a Death Valley win a close game with a team with nothing to lose that almost knocked off Alabama and the number two team in the country last week. Let's give the Razorbacks their props. And the last takeaway, the last game we got to cover, you already knew we had to. Kansas gets their first Big 12 road win in like 50 games with a 57-56 upset over the Longhorns. Let's give a round of applause for Jalen Daniels at the quarterback spot. 200 yards passing, three touchdowns, and then also Devin Neal, 143 rushing yards for three rushing touchdowns. They find a way to pull this one out. I want to give the Kansas defense so much credit, holding Bajan Robinson to 70 total yards, man. That is so impressive for this for this Lance Lopold defense. This guy is changing the culture at Kansas. They almost knocked off Oklahoma at home two weeks ago, and now they get a giant win over Steve Sarkeesian's Longhorns on the road in Austin, man. 
Thompson with six touchdowns, one pick over 350 passing. And you have to give Kansas all the credit in the world, man. They found a way to win this. They forced four Texas turnovers, controlled the ball for over 35 minutes. This game goes to overtime. Texas scores first, kicks their field goal. Kansas scores, and Lance Leipold says, we're putting all the chips on red, baby. Pushing it all in the middle of the table. We're going for two. They get it. They win. First road win in over 50 games for, for the Jayhawks. And you got to give Lance Leipold and the Jayhawks all the credit in the world for pulling that one off. They're showing that slowly but surely he's making this team believe they can compete with the best of the best in the Big 12. I said this all season. He was a very underrated hire. Yes, he, you know, he had some he had some success at Buffalo, but this guy's a national champion at the D2 level or D3 level at uh, Whitewater. This guy is a winner. He knows how to build a culture. He was showing he could recruit at Buffalo. I think Kansas this weekend was validated. They made the right hire with Lance Leipold. A 57-56 win for Kansas. It was impressive. Texas, on the other hand, though, you have to wonder what the morale is of that team under Steve Sarkeesian. There's already people saying he's on the hot seat for losing that game. So there are going to be a lot of questions in Austin about what happens to Steve Sarkeesian and this team. And this win was giant for Kansas, but also extremely detrimental for Texas moving forward. So the Big 12, pure chaos right now. But guys, man, those are my final takeaways from week 11. This is all this is the, this is all what happened this wild week 11. We got a lot of clarity in some of these conferences. Others like the Big 12 are wide open right now. So we got a bunch of stuff to look forward to in week 12, man. You already know what to do. Smash the subscribe button. Hit that like button. Comment your takeaways from all these games below. What was your biggest takeaway from week 11? What are you looking forward to in week 12? Also, make sure to subscribe if you want to become a member of the Blue Bloods for exclusive content. Go ahead and hit that join button, and that way you get access to all the exclusive content we got here on the Blue Bloods. I appreciate y'all tuning in. I hope y'all had a great weekend. See y'all tomorrow with a SWAC recap, and we're doing some game previews tomorrow. We got a giant week 12, so we're starting them early. Make sure to tune in for that. But for right now, guys, the Blue Bloods are out. Mm -hmm.